everybody. This is Hater Radio, a college football podcast. I am the host, Chris McLean, and I'm here with my co-host, Ian Gibson. Ian, how are you? I'm uh, very good and very full. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the Thanksgiving weekend. I hope everyone had a great Thanksgiving. Um, we're going into now the Christmas season officially. So, um, you know, it's the end of the year and uh, everything's winding down. And um, the season of college football is officially over. Now we're switching into conference championships next week. And so what we'll do is review all the games from rivalry week that was last week or yesterday. And uh, we'll talk about what potential players were going to be for the Heisman, the potential playoff teams. And then we'll talk about those uh, conference championship games as well. So let's review... Week 13, which was rivalry week. First game we have was Mississippi State, Ole Miss. Um, you know, the, I I don't understand what happened to this Ole Miss team. They started off 7-0, and and their next five games they've gone 1-5, and and they just – I don't know. It's sometimes they look like they're world beaters, and then the next minute they're looking like average. I'm not going to say that Mississippi State is terrible because Mississippi State is eight and four. They're not a te- they're not a bad team. They're actually a decent team with a decent offense, and their defense is not bad. Um, but it's just Ole Miss is really a disappointment considering they started off seven and zero. They were highly ranked most of the year, and then just really fell off this uh last couple of weeks um i don't know it it just never seemed like they uh they recovered from some of the games that they lost like the old miss game or not almost the lsu game was a struggle which you know at the time i would have thought they were better than them but now it seems like lsu is probably a better team than Ole miss like in the long run anyways but um i don't know it's just it's it stinks because uh, Judkins, you know, is a stud, and you would think, you know, you have such a, a threat like that with Judkins that you would be, um, you know, able to beat most teams. But it just they couldn't put it together, and it was a close game. It was back and forth. Um, you know, I don't see any difference really uh, stat wise. That really stands out. Maybe Mississippi State with those multiple turnovers. That was probably the reason why it was a closer game than it was. Um, but, Ian, anything that stands out from you for this game? It, it was definitely – well, this is what I always say. is like when it's a rivalry game, you never know what's going to happen, especially as intense as the Egg Bowl. Yeah. Um, we have two teams that hate each other's guts. So that's going to happen. You, Mississippi State definitely had a point to you know prove here uh, – and, you know, they want to, you know, I always say, like, the main goal for those rivals is at the very least, we're going to make sure they look bad. And that's exactly what happened. It is surprising to think, like, no disrespect to Mississippi State, but at the midway point of the year, when Ole Miss was still undefeated going into LSU, that they would end with the exact same record, eight and four and four and four in the SEC. It's very, um, it's a very interesting thing. Um, it's, bit of a bad trend we've seen with Ole Miss is that there are games they just don't show up for. 
um, like, for example, LSU, Arkansas, um, and they just couldn't get it clicking against Mississippi State. Um, but at least for the Bulldogs, you know, they took full advantage of uh, managing the clock and, you know, keeping the ball away from Ole Miss and limiting the passing game. Um, and that, and they were able to overcome the three turnovers, and especially that fumble by Will Rogers was. I thought that would have been a game set match, but they were able to fight through. And I think that was the thing is that Mississippi State was able to overcome their mistakes, while Ole Miss just kind of got dragged down from theirs. Yeah. Okay, moving on to Lane, Cincinnati. Um, you know, both of these teams were fighting uh, for a berth in the AAC championship game. And uh, considering the news today that uh, Luke, Luke Fickle has moved on from Cincinnati, it's very, um, I don't know, depressing if I were a Cincinnati fan. Because not only do you lose the opportunity to go back to the AAC championship game, but then you lose your coach that's been there for a few years. And it's like, it just doesn't look good. I mean, it, I would be, I would feel terrible if I was a Cincinnati fan right now. I mean, yeah, you're going to the Big 12 championship game, but at what cost? You know, without a head coach, you're going to get smoked for the first couple of years, whoever comes in there. So, you know, it doesn't look good for them. But on the flip side, Tulane, you know, huge victory here. Um, you know, they look solid. Uh, uh, Ty J uh, Spears had a huge game, 181 yards on the ground, 35 carries, man. 35 carries is a lot of time carrying the ball. Um, but, uh, you know, they uh, they made the plays to get the win here. And, you know, Tulane, I think, has a really good opportunity against UCF coming up next week. Uh, I think it's pretty much a coin flip to see who actually wins that game because it was so close in uh, New Orleans um, the last time they played. Um, I'd be interested in to watch that game, but I don't know. There's there's other games on that day, so I'm, I'm that may get uh, missed because I'll probably be paying attention to the uh, Georgia game and uh, definitely the TCU um, K State game. I think the USC uh, Utah game is on Friday, right? Because it's been like that before. Where it's on a Friday. Um, let me see real quick. I just want to double check that because I know, um, uh, what is it? It's in Vegas. It, it is on a Friday. Yeah. They've been putting that game on a Friday to try to just stand out, which I understand they're trying to get more fans to watch and, you know, more people on the East coast to be interested. And, you know, I think there's a lot of interest in this game because Utah is a good team and, uh, USC, um, obviously has a chance at the playoff and Caleb Williams is phenomenal. So I can see that game drawing a lot of people this Friday. Um, but um, getting back to this uh, Tulane Cincinnati game, I just, you know, I think Tulane is a very underrated team that like a lot of people haven't talked about, but I think they're capable in Hopefully, if they do win the AAC, that they get a decent bowl and that they get a decent matchup to like show themselves in that matchup, which I, I hope they do get. But uh, what are your thoughts, Ian? Yeah, the um, at least for for this, it was a very good game. What I expected, like I said, it was a coin flip when picking Tulane and um, Cincy for that. Um, but. Uh, 
we uh, were watching it, at least for that, it was clear that Tulane just had the better team and was, you know, more balanced offensively. And the defense just couldn't keep up, especially when they went up by 10. They were able to, you know, they gave up the lead. But once the they scored, there wasn't enough time left and the Tulane defense just was on lockdown the whole uh, rest of the game. And since he just couldn't get anything moving. Yeah. Okay. Uh, moving on. NC State, UNC. This was a crazy finish. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> just wild. Like, I'm amazed that it went the way it did. Like, I think North Carolina had – they had to score twice because one of them was called back at the end of the fourth just to tie it. And then they go into overtime, and then their kicker just misses a field goal terribly. And it's like, oh, I feel so bad for those guys. Because honestly, when once – because it's like once they would have gotten to the two point conversion stuff, I favor UNC highly over NC State at that point. Because you know May is one of the better quarterbacks in the country, and like he's definitely going to like you know make some moves to be able to get those two point conversions. Well, I don't think NC State would have been capable. Um, Finley's all right. I mean, he just I think he's he's a freshman, right? Finley, uh, the for NC State. Um, I thought he's a freshman. Yeah. 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 I think he was a highly recruited, uh, guy. So, um, I'm amazed that North Carolina started the season nine and one and is, uh, nosedive these last two weeks. Kind of amazing. You know, they had like a very, very outside chance of getting into the playoff and just completely nosedive. But, um, you know, they're not uber talented North Carolina, but they're definitely a solid team. And, you know, obviously Drake may is a huge difference maker and he's only a freshman. So he'll, he'll definitely be someone to look forward to next year as potential Heisman candidate. Um, uh, anything that stands out from you, uh, Ian, for this game? Yeah, it definitely was kind of turned on its head because I would have expected maybe a more high scoring game, but I know NC state is very well developed and put together team. Yeah, uh, and for North Carolina, usually that is the only way they win these games. If it's their shootouts, and that obviously wasn't the case. And then once it went into overtime, it was very you know back and forth, and obviously you rely on a field goal to win it, and th- didn't pan out. It's a tough way to lose. Um, but NC State, you know, got the upset. Um, yeah, it was just NC State was more well balanced. Um, and they were able to kind of capitalize on the big plays. Meanwhile, you know, North Carolina was just playing from behind the whole game. And they couldn't really, like, it didn't seem like they were running their game plan. Like, the, the, it didn't, they weren't playing their game. They were playing catch-up. And when you're doing that, you can't really, you know, expect to win it in that mode. Um, and it definitely improved that. Once they tied it, they didn't really seem to have it in overtime. The, the play calling was a bit anemic and it kind of just went NC State's way. Yeah, and, um, you know, this, uh, I don't know, it's, it's, like you said, it's rivalry week, so a lot of crazy things will happen in these games. And, uh, you know, uh, NC State, they were hoping for a lot better year this year, and that's really a shame because, they had potential of getting a 10-win season. 
and to limp into an eight and four season is really rough. You know, they had the injury to their quarterback. Um, their starter uh, was probably like, I think it was a Florida state game. Yeah. He hurt his shoulder in the Florida state game and he was out from that point on. And uh, they've been trying to just piece things together and they've done all right. It's just, it's a shame that NC state had to, you know, succumb to an eight and four season, but uh, let's move on. Uh, real quick, Nebraska, Iowa. I picked this game because Iowa was, was potentially going to be in the Big Ten championship. But lo and behold, they lose. And now Purdue is in the Big Ten championship because that's how terrible the West division or whatever the other division that – uh, Yeah, it's the West. Like that's how terrible it is that a Purdue team that is – let me see what their record is because I'm guaranteeing Purdue is eight and four. Yeah, eight and four. I'm sorry, but like if you have a conference championship game with a team with four losses, that doesn't look really good. And it doesn't look good for the SEC that LSU has three. But um, you know, it, it looks bad either way. I, I think really what these these conferences are and most of them seem to be trending toward this of getting away with the divisions, which is a terrible idea because it pretty much locks in a bad team getting into that, that slot. And, you know, now it's the best two teams, which it should be. Honestly, I would rather see the better two teams. Like if next year and the next couple of years, if it's going to be Florida, Georgia and the SEC championship game, I would rather see that than, um, you know, whatever, four loss team out of the other division or something like that. Yeah, like how it's like this year of the Big Ten or how like, you know, when Florida went into against Bama when they were had like four losses that year. Yeah. And you know, it's like the one year I think of the most with that with the SEC championship that would have been interesting was the year that Florida lost a game. They lost to Georgia. It was twenty twelve and Georgia had one loss as well. And I think Alabama, I don't remember if they were undefeated. I can't remember. I think Alabama was undefeated. But regardless, you know, like it just potential there. I think there. Alabama lost to the a that year. I, I can't that remember. Because would have been Manziel's year when he won the Heisman. You're I think right. That was-, that was the year that Manziel won the Heisman. And that was the year. That's the same year. So they did lose to them. So that, that means Florida potentially could have gotten in. I don't know what the tiebreakers were for that instinct. Well, Georgia but, would have gotten in because it would have been Georgia beat Florida because Florida and they had the head Georgia to head. Lost to South Carolina, but Florida beat South Carolina, but Georgia right. beat Florida. So yeah. Georgia would have won the tiebreaker. Hmm. Interesting. Well, regardless, there seem to be at most conferences are leaning towards that. The SEC is still up in the air because of the fact that. Um, Oklahoma and Texas are coming in when they're coming in. It's as to be determined, um, could be into the 2023 season, could be 2024. So right now they don't know, but when they do get in, they'll then change how they schedule these conference games and more than likely get rid of divisions. That's what the thought is. if that will happen, it seems more than likely, but it's not uh, set in stone yet. But regardless, Nebraska wins 24-17 and just Iowa looked like shit 
you know, I was look terrible all year. Their offense is just garbage. I don't, I don't even want to talk about them. The only reason I brought it up is because um, the uh, potential of getting into the Big Ten championship. But moving on, UCLA, Cal. Okay, UCLA wins 35-28, but this was a lot closer than yeah. the score even says because it was uh, UCLA was losing into the fourth and really needed uh, – you know, a Herculean effort to really uh, beat this team. Um, Zach Charbonneau has a, another great game, 119 yards. Even uh, actually they had three people with over 88 yards rushing. TJ Harden had a really big day and DTR had a real, real big day on the ground, 88 yards and two TDs. Um, I was surprised. I thought that UCLA was going to run away with this. They were up at one point, I believe, like, um, I think they were up like 17 to 7, I think. I can't I can't remember for sure. But it seemed like they were running away. And then Cal just came back and was, like, taking it to them. And Cal is not, for a 4-8 and eight team, they're not terrible. They can move the ball and they can score. But, um, you know, a team like UCLA that had the potential of, Maybe getting in the playoff, it really looked bad to finish that way. But, I mean, they still have a shot at a decent bowl. I hope they get something, hopefully like the Holiday Bowl, which could be against a good opponent. Because I, as of right now, I'm hearing um, in the rumor mill that they're going to be matched up in the Las Vegas Bowl with Florida. But I would be such a letdown for UCLA if they get a six and six team, they need someone more along the like eight and four, nine and three, maybe even 10 and two range. I would love to see them matched up against even maybe um, a big 12 team, like uh, maybe Texas. I don't know. That would be interesting just to see where those two teams end up. Uh, but uh, your thoughts from this game, Ian? Yeah, this was kind of <laughs> kind of the, the trap game because UCLA should have steamrolled Cal. And they just this is a prototypical example of not putting the team away. They outgained them. They had more time in possession. They had way more. You know, they didn't turn the ball over. Cal turned it over, I think, twice. Yeah, and I, that's what I was saying was, how are you still letting this team into a into the game? Um, and they, it's like I say, if you don't put a team away early or take advantage of your chances, it's gonna bite you, and it almost did for UCLA. Um, because they almost you know stepped into the pitfall, but UCLA survives. Um, and yeah, they had to come back late, and luckily it's the end of the season because I would say you can't expect this for every game, but they end the season, you know, nine and three, a very you know big step forward for them all their you know the only loss that's kind of not kind of it is bad it was against you know arizona um but for ucla it's definitely a step in the right direction for this season yeah and you know it's i don't know i'm seeing a lot of people complain about chip kelly and like yes it's year five and you know um they're expecting a lot better results, but you know what? They, when he took over, they were like four and eight the year before and their recruiting was terrible. Um, they 
were like three and nine his first year, four and eight the next year. And they got better and better. And you could see it, especially in that COVID year in 2020, the offense started to really click. And last year they played really well. They smoked USC. Um, Things seem to be turning around. And this year was a really great year. They were, you know, honestly, they were very close to beating USC in that matchup this year. And, you know, I... I don't know. I, I, if I were a fan, I wouldn't be upset. I'd be like, this is good progression. They're doing well. And, um, and I was right on the dot. I had them at nine and three and they finished nine and three. So I had a good read on this team. You know, I've had a good read on them last year. You know, I was pretty close to their, their total as well last year. So I, I don't know. I, though I think this, this team is, capable of getting to 10 11 wins and it's totally doable um you know now that usc is ramping up and being the power that they have been it's going to be a lot harder but then again you only really have to play them one game and potentially maybe even in the conference championship because i think they're getting rid of divisions but then they're moving to the big 10 as well so things change as well because i think it'll be a lot easier for UCLA and USC to play in the Big Ten because there's so many bad teams there that UCLA could get easy um, six conference wins without even trying hard. But let's move on. All right, so but the two big games that we have that were the Florida game and the uh, USF game turned out really exciting finishes last second you know, both teams had the ball at the very end um, to tie to see where these games would go. Um, you know, uh, Florida loses to FSU uh, 45 to 38. Um, it was exciting. There was a lot of big plays. Um, Trevor Etienne had a huge run to, to tie the game in the fourth quarter. Um, Ricky Persall had two huge touchdowns. Um, Anthony Richardson looked very good in the first half and then terrible in the second. And I will say largely to do with the fact that um, they had five of their uh, normal receivers out um, with injury. And, you know, it shows with only nine receptions um, you know, it was tough. A lot, there was a lot of drops. Um, you know, AR didn't play as well as he should have, but they also in that third quarter, when they came back in from the second half, uh, when they started the second half, they should have run the fucking ball. And I don't understand why they didn't, why they got away from it. They were running the ball so well. Montreal had a really good game as well. Like, you know, you're moving the ball on the ground stick with the ground game you know they easily could have um uh put the fight to florida state right there in the second half and you know they kind of let florida state take control in that third quarter and if if florida just scores honestly if florida scores like just a touchdown or maybe even 10 points in that third quarter they probably win that game and it wouldn't necessarily be you know just the 
a 48-45 game, it would have been different because I don't think Florida State scores as many points if Florida's running the ball as well as they did because then they would just eat up clock and it would have been different. Um, I know we talked about it. You know, you texted me about the refs and we were talking about like other people have been talking about how, you know, that last play, especially with the, the face mask. I see FSU fans claiming that there was a face mask by Richardson on that. I don't see it. I don't know what they're talking about. A offensive player has the ability to use their hand to uh, um, push the face mask. So I didn't see like him grab it. That would have been a flag if he grabbed it. I never saw a grab in any way. He has the right to do it. A defensive player does not have a right to grab a face mask in any way, even to push or whatever. That's That becomes a uh, flag. So it should have been flagged. It was fourth down. It would have been uh, a first down with like at the 15 with like 30 seconds left or 39 seconds, something like that. Um, but, um, you know, the and the other thing the Florida State fans are up in arms about was the offensive path or the defensive pass interference that they got called against them on that fourth down earlier in that drive, which clearly was a defensive pass interference because the guy has his arm around the guy before the ball is even there. I don't know why they don't like it's been called pass interference since forever. That's like the definition of pass interference, putting your arm around a guy to then be able to deflect the ball. I don't know what they're thinking because they're obviously clearly not smart fans. And that's usually why I try to point this out. Florida State fans are the dumbest fans of all college football fans. And that's why they would point something out like that because they're morons and they don't know what they're talking about and they never do. And it's almost infuriating to talk to any of them because they have no clue about how college football is actually uh, operating. Uh, so, Ian, I want to hear your thoughts. I just went on a diatribe, and then I'll talk about my thoughts about how I think the season went for Florida. Yeah, I mean, it, it's. I remember another thing. I, I texted the same thing for the USF game. If you're going to lose, don't get my hopes up. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I like Florida State is the better team. I understand Florida was out five players and all that, but Florida State just looked and played better. And I agree, again, I don't know what the thought and coaching process was where we went away from the run when, you know, it was clearly working in the third quarter. And I think Richardson had 11 straight incompletions. It was clearly not working. And they also, for every reason, whether it was Richardson's decision or the coach's decision, just told him, don't, you know, run. Um, because again, I remember like just yelling, like if he's, if the guy's not open, don't force it or don't throw it away, get something out of it. But I remember again, I said the same thing when I went in the other day, I said, you know, they said, oh, you know, you know, you had the face mask call, you know, not, no call, I should say. And you had all that. I remember saying this again, it's a shame that a team scores 38 points and still loses Yeah, because our 38 points should be enough. And somehow, some way the defense let him down. And I think this is case in point when Jordan Travis had the game of his life. No question about it. I will tip the cap. Jordan Travis carved up Florida's defense. He had looked fantastic, but I will put blame on Florida for making it look too easy because nobody could tackle 
I remember distinctly the the, the highlight. Third down. Yeah, yeah exactly. That yeah. third down was terrible. Like there was like five it guys that tried to tackle him. And, and they couldn't wrap couldn't him up. Him. And he ran in for, well, to the one yard line, but honestly, yeah. it should have been a touchdown, wasting time. And again, it was, <laughs> I just, you know, that's the one thing we'll talk about when we talk about the season. I'm hoping going into this that, that Napier Day takes action because clearly, you know, I don't think uh, Patrick Tony is cut out right now for this job. Um, and I think it would be better if he gets more experienced personnel because the defense still has been regressing since 2020 and it still hasn't looked good. Because again, I'm, I'm, I will say it again it's a shame that a team can score that many points and still lose. Um, you know, they scored 35 against LSU and lost. They scored um, 20, uh, they scored over 30 points against Tennessee and lost. We, you know, and then, you know, Georgia, Georgia's got the best defense in the country. They weren't scoring on them. And then Vanderbilt was just a pathetic effort. But again, I'm just like, <laughs> this is a game where they clearly, like, one team showed up after halftime. And I don't know where the, the team, because they looked great in the first half and they were living up to their potential. And then they just completely fall apart. Uh, in the second half, and Florida State took control. I got the win, and rightfully so. Um, I, w- I was really hoping for rivalry game magic, but clearly it, it wasn't going the Gators' way. Um, it's just very frustrating to see, you know, a game like that. I, I, that's what I said. I was, of course, I hate losing to Florida State because you know they're the arch nemesis. But it's another. It's like the way we lost. I hated because. You know, they, again, you score 38 points and still lose. That's not acceptable. And and I don't care where you are, you or, or what school you are, that, that just can't fly. Well, I mean, you know, it really the key to the game was Florida's defense is terrible. And they're the like 102nd or what I just saw it. I just had it up. Like they're, they're easily one of the worst defenses that we've had at Florida ever. And, you know, it's just 102nd, 102nd worst defense in the country. You know, they gave up an average of 415 yards a game and third down conversion percentage, which was bad all year was one of the worst in the country. Um, guess what? It was next to what is it? Fourth to last, so it was 127th or fifth to last. So it was. It never got better all year. It was always terrible. They couldn't get out of third downs. I mean, it was clear on that conversion that Travis converted on third and ten. If they make that stop there, if they stop him and force a field goal, maybe they win the game because of that. And that's how like like not mind numbing, but just how like how pissed off the fans got because it was like it wasn't like Florida got blown out all year. They never got blown out. There wasn't a single wow, game Georgia, that they weren't I mean, what? Georgia, I would well, maybe not a blow that, that was a one score game, like headed basically heading into the fourth quarter. Like I would say most games they were in no matter what. And you know, I'm and the uh, and you know the other thing I see complaints about is the offensive uh, game plan and like uh, Billy's play calling. Well, you know what? 
Florida was like the a top twenty offense, um, and oh, actually top twenty in uh, rushing offense. But they were they were as far as uh, total offense, they were I think thirtieth. 31st, which considering it's the first year of the system, Anthony Richardson is a first year starter. Like, I don't know how much more you could ask for that. Like, that's that's probably the best case scenario for the offense you could ask for all year. And yet they were in every game and it just really was the defense. That was really the difference this year. If the defense is just average, all it has to be was not terrible. It just has to be average, 50th, 60th, whatever. They would have won at least three more games. They would have beaten Vanderbilt. They would have beaten um, uh, LSU because they could have made stops. And they would have beaten um, Kentucky, too. And you know what? It sucks the way it ended because – you know, they could have had a chance at eight and four and beating South Carolina obviously looks way better now than it did even then. Like, and it looks great when it happened, but it looks extremely great now that they beat them and they beat them the way they did. Cause they, South Carolina is on fire right now. And um, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's such a disheartening end to the season. Um, but again, it's the first year, like Billy, is a first year head coach in the SEC and the he said it before um when he took over that there were going to be lumps this was not going to be easy it's not going to be pretty things have to change and there's going to be a lot of bad before there's good and you know what he's right he was totally right he knew this was going to happen and i am not worried about patrick tony because i know he's a good defensive mind the thing that was obviously the biggest concern was the older guys um, being used to the older system and not being taught correctly. So it's a lot harder to correct that coming into this year. So these guys were, you know, going back on to, you know, traits and skills that they learned that were not good. And, um, you know, so it was, you know, making this year a lot more difficult to to get through that and especially because you know tackling wise god they were so terrible tackling and you know it just needs to get better and i think it will like with the recruiting class coming in uh the 2023 recruiting class those guys will come in to replace some of those other guys the the younger guys that are there this year will step up more um you know I mean, I don't want to single out Trey Dean, but Trey Dean is gone now, and that's probably a good thing. Um, you know, I'm not being a dick. I'm just being a realist. It's just it wasn't good. And, um, you know, and it's also, you know, linebacker core-wise, they need better linebackers, and that'll be the difference. If Florida can get, like, the linebacking core that they can, you know, because they're able to recruit highly, hopefully that they can get someone in there that, you know, is running the defense. And, you know, I love Ventrell Miller. He was a stud and he is an amazing player, but he's not the best in coverage. So it was kind of his Achilles heel. Um, hopefully they can find someone that can do the same skill set that he has, but then also be able to cover tight ends and uh, running backs out the backfield. Um, but 
Um, special teams, I think, will be there better when um, there's uh, the uh, younger guys that buy in, keep coming in. I think that'll improve more. Um, you know, the Trevor Etienne had a lot of really good returns, and that's really crucial for the return game. Um, I think overall, I'm not, I'm not like upset that it's six and six. I'm really not. Like I'm, it it sucks, but in the grand scheme of thing, like in two years from now, when um, Billy has his team rolling, which I think they will. Like I, I've been on the Billy Napier train probably since they started talking about him and how great he was. And I was like, all right, this guy might be the real deal. And, you know, I really think that he can get them to a 10, 11 win seasons and potentially even 12 win seasons. And it's not that far away. It's just, you know, had to get through this year and then maybe next year. And then this third year, the third year will be the payoff, which I believe, you know, it's even uh, uh, Gator Nation football podcast talks about that uh, third year test. But um, I don't know. Ian, what are you what are your projections? What do you think? Where Where, where is the, uh, you know, where, what do you feel about uh, Gator Nation as of right now? Well, I remember and I heard it all year. I predicted the team would go four and eight. So, and I remember saying, if they go to a bowl game, I'll be ha- I'll be happy. And I am happy that they won six games and, you know, they got wins. But just the way they ended it, it it's not as, um, if they told me, hey, they're going six and six, they'll be at 500, and they're going to a bowl game. I would be like, okay, I can live with that. And I would be happy going into the offseason. But, man, if they told me how it would end, this is where I'm like, because again, I've, I'm still stating this. I have can't put my trust since after the whole Mullen fiasco. Because when Mullen was hired in those years, I was fully on board thinking this is it. This is how we get back to prominence, and it blew up in my face. So I remember telling George, my cousin, afterwards, I said, I no matter how long I live on this planet. Whatever coach, as however many years it takes, whatever coach they hire, I will never trust them until they prove, give me and prove to me why I should. I don't have a reason to trust them yet. And that's not to say I don't think he can turn the ship around and all that. He's doing much better recruiting, top 10 class right now. It's the big thing is to just hang on into the top 10 and then, you know, increase up there. I'm glad he's recruiting defensive players, so he's recognizing the most depleted unit. Um, it's, but there's just nagging things that I think it would be better if maybe he just like hires like a real game manager, like offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator, because I don't think his play calling works right now, at least in the SEC, because, like I said, he completely ran away from the run game in the third quarter and the play calling against Vanderbilt was not good. Um, so going into this off season, regardless of how the bowl game goes, it, it's better than I thought, but there's still much improvement that needs to be, be made. I'm hoping to see at least some more improvement and 
less of the Gators getting in their own way. Cause that was the thing that was annoying me the most is like, there's a lot of times in those losses and even in those wins where they're just getting in their own way, whether it's the play calling drop passes, penalties at least have been severely reduced except for the last two games. It's, you know, they just seem to show up in that. I will give them credit. There's almost every game they've had a very tough schedule. You know, they, were in it. They were in it against Tennessee. They were in it against LSU. Um, Georgia, I mean, kind of. Um, and they were in it against Florida State. Those are really good teams. Um, Kentucky was a bit of a bust, and they did beat Utah. But there's still a lot to be desired for me. I just need to see more consistency. If they, if honestly, I remember the saying. If they didn't lose to Vanderbilt, I would feel much better because at least, you know, at least even if they lost to Vandy, the way they lost is what really kind of set me, you know, in a bad spot because they just flat out did not show up and seemed like they just were sleeping out the wheel the whole game. There was no urgency. So going into next year, it's very important for them to, you know, just play consistent, play smart, and, you know, just not let games get away with get away from them. I don't expect them to win the national championship next year. I don't expect them to, you know, blow out Georgia or Tennessee. The schedule's not getting any easier next year. I just want to see some improvement, especially defensively, and to make it seem like there are times where I don't have to question the coaching which I've had to sometimes in some of these games. If they lose, make it where you tried and you didn't, you know, you laid it all out there and it just didn't, the ball didn't bounce your way. I'm much more okay with that than something where it's stupid mistakes and we shoot ourselves in the foot. That's what I'm hoping for. Will it happen? Again, I'm not going to make any promises. I've learned my lesson from touching my hand on the stove. I'll have to see it to believe it. And do you think uh, Anthony Richardson comes back? <sighs> I'm, I'm, I don't know. I really because there's another part of me that really says like, do like, I'm not trying to be that Gator fan, but would he? Would we really be better if he does come back? Because he was very on and off. There were games where he looks amazing and he looks like that top five pick and, you know, an elite, you know, quarterback. Then there's times like against Florida state, not always fall without five wide receivers, but he's, you know, air mailing balls, not making the right reads or the right decisions. It's like that roll of the dice is, not what you want under center in the SEC. So (laughs) it's a tricky question. I think if he, I honestly think if he does commit to the NFL, it wouldn't honestly be, you know, hunting the year for Florida because you can maybe have a quarterback that can more react better to the situation. Because as good as Richardson is, he is very inconsistent and he's very raw. And unfortunately, that was true most of the year. There wasn't any like consistent improvement. 
it was always like two steps forward, one steps back. There was never consistency with him. If, you know, he does come back and I think maybe it would be good for him to maybe develop one more year, but, you know, I don't know if it's still the best thing for the Gators because he needs, to me, he hasn't proven that he can be consistent at this level. I would take him back, I, and I kind of want him to come back because I feel if he comes back, he has a better chance to develop himself. Um, you know, it was the first year in this offense – you know, Billy's um, offense was a little bit different than what he's used to. So he had to learn, you know, uh, taking the snaps and turning his back completely on the defense and then finding the defense when he was coming back on some of those play action passes. Um, you know, with like shotgun snaps, it's a little bit easier to just take the snap and then just fake the handoff and you're still looking at the defense the whole time, um, you know, with what he was doing, which Billy was asking was taking snaps and completely losing sight of the defense and then figuring it out as you're coming back. So it was a lot harder on him. Um, I don't know. I mean, he still had, he had 2,500 yards, uh, uh, almost two, 250, 2,550 um, he had 17 TDs passing. He did have nine interceptions, which not is not very good. But during the last, I'd say, five games, he didn't commit many turnovers, which was he was trending in the right direction. He um, he had uh, 650 yards on the ground and nine TDs. So he had a total of uh, 20, 26 TDs. Um, and over 3,000 yards. I don't know. I mean, I, I think everyone wants more out of him because he has that potential. You know, his completion percentage was not great. It was 53.8. Um, but, again, the wide receiving core is not very good. Like, Ricky Persall is good, and that's it. Like, and Justin Shorter's all right. But like really, like the rest of those guys were terrible. Um, you know, it's just it's a work in progress. You know, they're they're getting guys coming in the next year, so maybe that would make a huge difference as well. So maybe if he comes back, you know, he's got you know a ton of stud wide receivers to work with. Um, you know, I I want him to come back because I want to see him do well in college before he goes off to the NFL, because I think people gave him a lot of shit for uh, this year and rightfully so, because they went six and six and, you know, he, he was not great in a lot of those losses. Um, but I, I would just like to see him come back and do well and, you know, right off into the sunset with a great career. Cause I know he's going to get drafted high. We all know that. Like if he doesn't get drafted high, like if he doesn't go in the draft this year and he goes out next year, he's going to get like top 15 pick. Like there's just like no guarantee. There's just like, regardless if he has like an amazing year in college or not, I still think he's going to be like a top 15 pick by the time he leaves. So, um, 
I just want him to to have a good year. I think because of the NIL deals, it makes it easier on him to stay because he doesn't need to uh, seek out that money. He's already getting it. He has like uh, allegedly over a million dollar deals um, through his NIL stuff. So, all right. You you have any other thoughts on this or can we move on? No, we can uh, we can move on. Okay. All right. So six and six got to be better for next year. Definitely. Hopefully. Okay. Georgia tech, Georgia. Let's do this one real quick. I, you know, it was Georgia tech sucks. You know, they fired their coach earlier in the year, Jeff Collins. They, you know, they were, they came after Georgia early and it was like seven to three looked interesting. And then just Georgia took over. Um, I don't know. It's, it's one of those rivalries that it's like, what, what I've liked to say, and I said it, like a couple of weeks ago, you know, Georgia, as much as they're on a great run, they're have probably the most fortuitous luck in the fact that all of their rivals, literally every one of their rivals, Auburn, uh, Georgia Tech, Florida, and Tennessee up until this year were doing terrible for the most part. And you know, Florida has fired, they've been through three coaches um, since they've been on this run. Uh, Georgia Tech, I think, has been on three coaches. Uh, Auburn has been on three coaches. Like all these teams that are their main rivals, they're just getting these easy victories because all these teams are terrible. And it's not even just that they lose bad to Georgia. It's they're terrible record-wise. Like, you know, Florida was 6 and 6 this year, 6 and 6 last year. Um Auburn, I believe was 6 and 6 last year. They're 5 and 7 this year. Georgia Tech is 5 and 7 this year. Uh they didn't win many games in Jeff Collins's tenure. Just terrible records and it's like they've and Tennessee up until what was it last year they were 7-5 before that they would terrible record. Um you know just I I don't know. Georgia has had one of the luckiest swings because it's like their rivals have been dog shit so of course they're going to get easy victories against these teams because all they have to do is be competent they don't even have to be good against these teams they just have to be competent and that that's a very low bar but they're able to meet that because you know they're, they're not being challenged and you know stetson had you know 140 yards today oh wow that's that's nothing and you know Kenny McIntosh is good. You know, he's a good running back and he had 86 yards and the rest of the team ran the ball really well as well. But they're not they're not as explosive as any everyone else thinks. I think if they go up against a team like uh TCU or USC, I mean they're not going to be able to get in a dogfight. I'm sorry, but they're not good enough to score 45 when the other team is scoring like 50 points. Like, I don't think so. Like they might be good enough to like score 35, but they're not able to keep up with a team that scores like 45 plus. So just my thoughts on it. What are your thoughts, Ian? Yeah. I mean, they, I mean, again, they, you're not wrong, but one of their teams, traditional teams are layup games. Uh, Auburn's down here. Florida's been having a few down years and Tennessee woke up. Um, but they, they beat and handled a very tough Tennessee team. And again, Tech, a layup game as well. Um, the very least, they're undefeated. They've proven it, um, that they can, you know, get through this. 
Um, so, oh no, it's, again, not a whole lot to say about the game, um, but they are definitely, you know, in the driver's seat because it's, you know, I've, I've said it, you know, for a few weeks now after Tennessee, honestly, I said, honestly, it's their championship to lose now. The thing is, can they like get out of their own way? Um, cause there have been times they have struggled, you know, Missouri, Kentucky, they didn't look too great, but they, you know, just, you know, suffocated them. And then, you know, they didn't look too good against Kent state as well. Um, they at least show up in the big games, which is important. Um, they just got to make sure they don't fall into, you know, the easy traps, um, and just be accustomed to every game going their way. Yeah, I just <laughs> I would have thought Ohio State would be a team that could really compete with them, but we'll talk about them in a second. Anything else from this before we move on? Uh, you know, a clean old fashioned beatdown instead of clean old fashioned hate. Yeah. Um, okay. So speaking of Ohio State, Michigan wins 4523. I'm blown away by the score. I would have thought that Ohio State was going to win this. I think we both had Ohio State um, as the team to win in this game. I thought it was going to be, um, you know, a multiple multiple score game victory for Ohio State, and it's the other way. Uh, Michigan wins by 22, largely to do with a couple of long runs at the end that Ohio State was selling out to try to. Um, you know, stop them and get the ball back. So it's, I think the score doesn't, it was a little bit closer than that. Cause like, even in like into the fourth, it was like a one score game. So it looks deceptive, but Michigan was able to uh, really uh, uh, connect on some big pass plays, especially, um, you know, early in that first half that really made a difference in the game because, Otherwise, they really weren't doing anything else. Um, they weren't really the, – the ground game was terrible for Michigan in that first half, and it looked like Ohio State was going to be able to um, take the top off this game and really take it to them. But then Michigan made those big plays. They kept in the game. It was uh, a three-point game at halftime. Ohio State was up. Michigan scores in the third quarter to go up, and then it was just – Ohio State just kind of imploded. There were a couple of times where Ohio State probably could have gone for it on fourth down, which they should have. I thought they, you know, with the offense that they have, I would have thought they would have, but they didn't. And then what really was surprising, which I maybe I haven't noticed all year, but how um, how lacking C.J. Stroud is in the run game. Like he never took off and was never even thinking about taking off at any point during uh, certain plays here. And I was just very surprised because it was almost wide open in the middle of the field. And he just kept looking, kept looking for a pass and uh, would make a pass and it wouldn't get converted for the first down. And I'm just like, why didn't he run there? I didn't understand it. Um, But now, you know, I'm, I'm tending to, 
you know how sometimes I've I've been to the point where I'm always like, oh, this team is like this, so this is how it's going to be. So, you know, with Michigan, I've always been kind of down on them and being like, oh, they're not good enough. And, you know, Georgia kind of proved it last year against them in the playoff. I might have to start changing my tune here. And the only reason I'm going to say might is because I'm still holding out because if they're in the playoff, I still think what whoever Michigan gets matched up against, I think the the team that they're playing against will beat them, regardless of who it is of the three playoff teams, which I think um, any one of them can beat them. I, don't, I think they're the by far the weakest team um, in uh, the play uh, in the potential playoff teams. I I just don't think again Georgia Michigan. I don't think they're capable of stopping a USC offense or a TCU offense. So I think, um, you know, I'll just wait and see. And, and I also am leaning on that mic because maybe it is changing the corner and maybe Michigan is finally, you know, being able to compete with these top tier teams, but we will see, you know, because Purdue obviously doesn't prove anything, um, but uh, a playoff game will prove a lot. What What are your thoughts? What do you What do you think of the 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 big game, the game on Saturday, Ian? Yeah, I was surprised by the outcome, especially by the score, because I knew because uh, Corum was out. Uh, oh, yeah. he ran twice, um, but he yeah, effectively he out. Effectively out. Yeah. And I still stick by this. Corum is the best running back in the nation. Yeah. And that is, you know, the engine of their offense. And somehow Ohio State, we remember their Achilles heel was their defense, but they just sold out on the, you know, to try to stop the run. And it just, I, I don't, I, I don't understand how they could break through the line so quickly. And there was no safeties back there, especially that late in the game. Um, And I knew, want to point out too that Michigan I mean I think now statistically is the I personally Georgia has the best seasons but Michigan will probably be number two for me right up there and they have proven um that they can handle these you know tough offenses because they only allowed Ohio State 23 points and Ohio State has a very deep and dynamic offense um and they just shut them down and CJ Stroud was running for his life just trying to make plays and they were harassing them all game um, this is Michigan, I think really proved them a lot, um, uh, proved who they are th- this game. Um, I thought they had the better schedule. Um, then Ohio state, the tougher schedule, they had to put, you know, play Penn state. Um, and they had a better outcome. Um, that was, they beat them a lot better than Ohio state did. Um, and they didn't have as many besides Illinois and Maryland, um, the offense isn't as elite, but the defense certainly is. It does remind me a lot of Georgia, where the defense can keep you in games, and that's a pretty good comparison. Um, but yeah, for Ohio State, this was pretty bad. Um, because I had to just you know pray that CJ Stroud could you know will them to the win, and there was just nothing they could do, and then the they just ran out of gas in the fourth quarter. And that's exactly what Michigan wanted. They just wore them down and broke them. And Michigan, you know, just runs away with it. Um, to me, you know, they, they definitely proved a lot that Saturday. Yeah. Uh, all right. Moving on. 
surprise of the day. South Carolina beats Clemson 31-30. Just this, man, this was a wild game. Um, Clemson just did everything in its power to lose this game. And um, I don't know. It's not surprising because they're not as good as they have been the last five, six years. Um, But, um, you know, I mean – Ugalele only had 99 yards uh, passing, which is terrible. Um, and he had the interception. And uh, what is it? Clemson had that fumble at the end on special teams that really, you know, that was it. Once they fumbled out, the game was over. Um, but, you know, who looked really good was Spencer Rattler. I mean, he threw two picks, but he was the reason they were in this game. Um, they weren't able to run the ball at all, South Carolina, but they were throwing the ball all over them and they were moving down the field on them. And, uh, it looked like this game could have been a blowout for Clemson and, uh, and then South Carolina just took over. And then it was just like, they came back, they tied, they, they were not tied it. They were down 28, 30, and then they get that field goal in the fourth. And it was just like, I don't know, man, I'm. I'm blown away this team was able to do what they've done the last two weeks. They blew out Tennessee, um, and then they beat this Clemson team on the road. Two huge wins. I mean, I would have thought this team would have finished 6-6. Six and six. I, I was almost guaranteeing it, like, would have thought that. And, you know, they, they, they did the opposite of what Florida did. Really was – like, you know, they played a Tennessee team and uh, beat that Tennessee team that they should have blown out, which South Carolina blew out. And then they played an ACC team and they beat them by one on the road. And they Florida should have done exactly what South Carolina did, but they didn't. And, uh, you know, Florida's the 6-6 six and six team and South Carolina's the 8-4 and four team. So kudos to them. Uh, great finish of the year. And hopefully they get a decent bowl and maybe we'll see where they go from there. Anything that stands out for you for, from you for this game? Yeah, this was the definition of shooting yourself in the foot because, geez, Clemson, they went up, you know, 14 nothing, and you were thought, okay, Clemson's got this. They're, they've scored, you know, the first two interceptions. They got the, you know, pick six um, on, like, the first play or, you know, one of the last plays of the uh, quarter. Um, and they went up, you know, 16-7, to seven, and they had the lead going, you know, well into the third quarter. And then they just, like, just stopped it's what it seems like they just nothing was working and they kept you know getting the turnovers and especially the fumble on the punt return it's the definition of a team that was not prepared and not ready for this game it's honestly i remember thinking this is a lot like what florida was like against vanderbilt where they just walked into the game expecting the team to hand them the win and that's not what happened and clemson realized well too late it was you know they were in a dogfight, and when he realized too late that you're in a dogfight, you're going to lose. And Spencer Rattler, again, another great game for him. And South Carolina definitely ends uh, what would have been a mediocre season, uh, turned into a really um, impressive one uh, here at the end and getting a huge win against Clemson. Um, Clemson, there's a lot of you know questions that need to be answered because um, the losing like that, you can't have that. Yeah. And it's funny. It's like, I think that's, uh, 
uh, South Carolina's first win in like a very long time. I'm talking like, I don't even remember the last time they beat Clemson. It's probably been like eight years since they beat them. That's a fucking long time, Um, but good for them. So let's move on. Uh, Auburn, Alabama, Iron Bowl. This game was never really close. Um, uh, You know, when Ashford only has 77 yards passing, you know you're going to lose the game. Um, Alabama was all over him. Uh, Bryce Young had a great game. Um, uh, Alabama wins 49-27. Anything from this game stands out? Um, you know, it went the way we expected. You know, Alabama just way better, and Auburn's got their own. They were more figuring out themselves than figuring out Alabama. Um, but uh, you know, Bryce on fantastic game for fantastic. Probably, you know, might be uh, his last game in uh, Tuscaloosa. Um, fantastic uh, game for a fantastic career. Um, Definitely, I think, is one of the best players they've had in their system in Saban's tenure. Um, but again, this was another trademark Alabama win, took care of business, and won with the you know score that reflected it. Okay, moving on. Oregon, Oregon State. Man, this was such a comeback. I'm, I'm amazed because I was like keeping track of this game. Totally amazed that Oregon State won this game. Oregon State wins 38-34. Um, Bo Nix had a really good game, but he um, his injury is really preventing him from really taking off. So uh, he's been limited in the pocket, but he still had over 320 yards passing, uh, 327 to be exact. And, you know, God, Oregon State's, passing attack was terrible they only had six they only threw 13 passes and completed six of them and then two were for interceptions for 60 yards that's crazy that they won this game only throwing for 60 yards um but they were money on the ground they were just tearing them up oregon could not stop them on the ground and uh just amazing what a crazy end to this game just this is why rivalry games you know, are so unpredictable that like, and, you know, again, Oregon state is a very solid team all year and no one was talking about them all year. And they finished nine and three only to losses to Utah, USC. And uh, what's the other one? And to Washington and all three of those teams are in the, uh, the top 12, like that's remarkable right there. Like, like they had a great year and, um, you know, I can totally see them, uh, turning this really good year into a next couple of years. So great for them. I'm glad to see it. Cause I know they've struggled the last like little while they've been kind of up and down. They had some years that were good and then just a lot of terrible years. So we'll see from there, but what, anything that stands out from you from this game? Yeah, um, yeah, for real. This was comeback of the year. They were down thirty-one ten and played really poor throughout most of the game. And then all of a sudden, the script flipped in the fourth quarter. And for the Ducks, it was like sliding down a grease pole. They just couldn't get off the field. And you know, Oregon, you know, 
you know, say they had these quick but deadly drives. Like, you knew every time Oregon State got the ball, it was either like three and out, or there'll be five plays in, or they're scoring a touchdown. There was no in between, and they were able to capitalize on, you know, Oregon's mistakes and add it to the grocery list of a memorable game in the Civil War rivalry. But, you know, huge win for Oregon State and, you know, easily the best one of their season. And for Oregon, again, it's an example of how do you lose this game when you're up by 21 and well in control of the game and you've outplayed them and you somehow found a way to, you know, just let them into it. And by the time, you know, it was it was too late. All right, moving on. Iowa State, TCU. We don't have to talk about this one very long. TCU storms them, uh, 62-14. Anything from this stands out to you? No, just, you know, another um, step to them going to the Big 12 championship. Yeah, so uh, we won't talk too much about them right now, but we'll talk talk about them a little later. But, yes, definitely 12-0. and Excited for this TCU team. I know we talked about them all year and just uh, throttled Iowa State. So finished off the season undefeated. Uh, really excited to see what happens. Uh, but let's uh, let's move on. This is the this is probably the biggest upset of the day. LSU with a chance to get in the playoff, which I don't know how they were even thought of that way, but they were. Um, LSU was nine and two coming into the game. All they had to do was essentially beat AM and they would beat Georgia and they would get in the playoff. And boom, they get smacked in the mouth. I mean, this game was close. It was 17-17 in the third, but um you know, uh, Texas A&M just took it to him from then on out. And, you know, Jaden Daniels did not look that good. He looked very average. Um, you know, uh, Devin A-Chain, you know, or A-Chain, I can honestly say it. I think it's A-Chain. He, man, he went off 250 yards, uh, 215 yards, two TDs on the ground, 38 carries. That's crazy. 38 carries is ridiculous. Um, you don't see that very much anymore. But, uh just remarkable. You know, AM was left for dead. And potentially, I think they have a chance right now at five and seven to get into a bowl game, which most people thought was not a possibility after uh losing the last couple of weeks. But damn, just a crazy end here, just crazy game. What are your thoughts, Ian? I really, looking at the score and watching the game. I remember saying, well, better late than never for AM, because I was exactly how they I was expecting them to play throughout the year. But the um Akane uh, and the Russian attack of AM is what really, you know, drove it home for LSU uh for AM against LSU. They were efficient, they were on getting positive yards, and LSU just could not, you know, find a way to get off the field and stop them. And for you know, LSU's offense, it was they just relied too heavily on um, Jaden Daniels. Um, there was no, you know, rushing attack. And like I say, when you become one dimensional, you become predictable and you lose a lot of your, you know, danger, I should say, uh, to the defense. Um, Cause they knew, you know, Jaden Daniels was either going to have to win it with his legs or win it with his arm. And you can only do that with so many teams. And especially when your defense is just letting you down. Um, but AM really shows up way to the party, but they get a huge win. And LSU, now they're just playing for pride now um, and trying to, you know, cause more chaos uh, going into the SEC championship. 
but it's very, very, you know, sour end for LSU uh, because if they win this and beat Georgia, they're in the playoff. But now it's, you know, they've got to, you know, just, you know, provide chaos for everybody else. Um, it's easily the most, you know, disappointing loss. Um, so uh, only in one year. Um, but for Brian Kelly, this is a very, you know, big setback. And I know, you know, that Florida State loss is looking, you know, better and, you know, getting blown out against Tennessee isn't good, but Tennessee has an elite, has an elite offense. This one, there's not as good of an excuse. Yeah, I mean, there is no excuse in this. I mean, AM was terrible all year, and to lose this game when you have everything on the line. And I I did tweet out someone or tweeted out what was like, this is this is the karma that LSU had coming their way for that shoe game when you know yeah. Florida had everything on the line and they lost LSU. This is the karma. I don't know. There was just something about that game that always stuck stuck me wrong. That like obviously LSU didn't deserve that win, and somehow they ended up getting that win. And you know, Florida deserved to to win that game. And they were the better team all year in that year, and they should have gotten that win, but somehow LSU got that win. And I think this is some kind of karmic revenge in some way for it. All right, but let's move on. Uh, This was probably the craziest UCF-USF game I've ever seen. I was so down on this game when it was 28-0, and I was like, man, there's no way – South Florida comes back, and I was just, like, ready to turn it off and not watch another second. Um, I come back from my workout, and South Florida is building and building and making plays and uh, causing fumbles and recovering them and scoring touchdowns off short fields. And just they went from down 28 nothing to scoring right before half to then – completely coming back and taking the lead into the fourth quarter. And they were up 39 to 38 and they had the lead up until 20 seconds or whatever it was left in the game. And, you know, it was just amazing. I'm, I, 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 if they could have won that game, that would have been easily one of the greatest victories in USF history, just because of the fact that, South Florida had been so bad the last two or three years, three years, and, you know, only having one victory this year. And it would have been huge to get that other victory, a second victory against UCF. And then also it would have prevented UCF from going to the AAC championship. So it would have been crazy. It was all for naught. You know, UCF gets two amazing catches, one that was pretty Pretty sure it was a catch. The second one in the end zone was kind of iffy. I don't know. You can't really tell if his leg is down inbounds or not. And uh, the other thing that I noticed, though, that other people noticed was the fact that even though he may or may not have been inbounds, the ball was also bobbled. I don't know if you saw that as well, Ian. Like when that guy caught that ball, he was bobbling as he went to the ground and it looked like it it hit the ground. So I don't know why that wasn't like zeroed in on. They were probably more f- focusing on the fact that he got a, a, a foot down before he went out of bounds. But 
just a crazy game. UCF wins 46-39. And even USF had a chance at the end um, when they had the ball. They had a chance to to tie it, and it just barely goes off another player's hands before USF had a chance to it. But just a crazy game. Ian, what are your thoughts? Same thing I said about Florida. If you're going to lose, don't get my hopes up. (laughs) Yeah. Because, oh, man, it's – they, you know – we're down 28 nothing in for the most part and they were you know and rightfully so i would have excuse me um Bless you. uh written the game off um because ucf clearly has the better team um but they just fell asleep and usf you know was not going away and coming back and then they took the lead i went Oh, don't do this. Don't get my hopes up. And sure enough, you know, UCF pulled through and, you know, escaped with the win. Um, But I remember thinking, you know, just like the last gasp of a really bad coaching tenure uh, was they got the ball back after the fumble at midfield. And I'm thinking, you've got to, like, you've got to capitalize. You're only up by Mm -hmm. one point. There's plenty of time on the clock make get at least a first down and make UCF sweat. And they call three straight running plays up the middle for two yards and those three plays. And I remember George was at the game, my cousin. And I remember texting, I was screaming at the top of my lungs, what are you doing? Because it was one of those I I texted him, that is the textbook definition of playing not to lose instead of to win. And USF, that's exactly what they did. They played not to lose. And they didn't try to win, and UCF made them pay. Um, that was catch or not. That's a great haul in uh, from UCF. Um, but honestly, the better team did win. UCF woke up just in time, and they are definitely counting their lucky stars because they, you know, have been very fortunate uh, in a lot of these games. But I don't think any more so than this one because they were. Oh, they really almost, you know, got into a car crash. Yeah, I mean, you're right on that uh, that uh, turnover and then the, the next three plays that they did because they – I didn't think anything of it at first, but then, like, the more I'm, like, you know, thought about it after the fact and it's just other people talking about it, it's like, wow, they really should have – like, with, with Brown – they should have like tried to attack UCF. They shouldn't just have played to, you know, punt the ball to them to take time off. They really should have tried to win the game. And, you know, when you do that, especially because it's like you're a one-win team, you have nothing to lose. Like if you have nothing to lose, just fucking go for it. What does it matter if you don't get the first down or not? At least try. Don't fucking run the ball with, uh, you know, with giving them a chance, at least attack with Brown. Brown was money on the ground. Like he was like the, the, that uh, touchdown he had to, to put them over the top, you know, that was such a huge run. God, he had over a hundred yards, hundred yards on the ground. Like let him do his work. Like, I don't know. It's just, just total letdown those, those play calls. Um, but you know, then again, it's a, one-win team. So what do you expect from a coaching staff that only could uh, could muster up one win? So 
All right, moving on. We're going to do these last couple really quick. Tennessee, Vanderbilt, not much to talk about here. Tennessee wins 56 to nothing. Anything that stands out from you? No, again, kind of somewhere they took care of business and rebounded well. Yeah, they, they were running the ball really well. They had a lot of big runs for uh, big, big time yardage. Okay. Uh, one of the bigger games of the day, just as far as what it means to the playoff, uh, USC wins 38-27. Caleb Williams has a huge game, uh, only four inter- uh, four incompletions. Um, he had only 35 yards on the ground, but three TDs and a total of four with another through the air. So another huge game for him, huge statement. You know, he's definitely locking up the Heisman as we speak with that game and with the UCLA game week before. Definitely have another opportunity against Utah to really cement it. But now they have a chance at the playoff. Just huge for them. I'm excited for college football in L.A. Finally getting some excitement again. Just a fucking great atmosphere. There was a sellout in uh, the Coliseum. The Rose Bowl was technically a sellout the week before. So a lot going on here again in LA. It's really great to see. Um, It's great for me as a fan of college football and as our, ours, our business as Hater Radio that college football does well in LA because we're starting to reach more people that way through our articles. Um, the article I had for previewing the UCLA game last week was, I believe I had 60 different unique views off of it. That's just from people I don't know at all, all saw the article, which is, I think is pretty damn good for something that is just reaching out to people we don't know at all. Um, but excited to see what happens with this USC team. Excited to see where they go. If they get in the playoff, all they need to do is beat Utah Utah next week, which they already had played them, and it was a close game already, which they lost to. But maybe they can get the revenge and really cement the fact that they should be in the playoff. What are, what are your thoughts on this game, Ian? Yeah, it, USC you know, made a statement. They were clearly the better team in this game, and they proved it. Um, Phil Williams did have another, you know, really solid game. Um, and it's now, it, it's the chances there for them to jump on this and take advantage of it. We'll talk about definitely the Pac-12 championship. Um, but they definitely need to capitalize on this uh, opportunity. Um, and it would, regardless, a very good first season uh, for Lincoln Riley, you know, bringing in the talents from Oklahoma and really just, Winning Oklahoma to the West Coast is what it looks like. Um, as you know, looking you know solid, um, consistent, and there was a lot of games where you know very shaky against certain teams. Oregon State, uh, for example, uh, they weren't looking too good. Um, and I think like Arizona, they skid by in uh, Cal, uh, but you know good wins against UCLA. You know they had a tough loss against Utah. Now they have a chance of revenge. Um, but USC for the regular season, A plus for me. All right. So let's do these last two really quick. Um, Kansas, Kansas State. Kansas State wraps up their berth in the Big 12 championship, wins 47 27. Anything from here stands out? Uh, not, you know, not too much. Kansas State, again, showing they're clearly the better team. Um, and they took, you know, jumped on Kansas early and they didn't look back. Okay, and then last one, 
Washington beats Washington State 51-33, finishes 10 and 2 with only losses to um who did they lose to? They lost to UCLA and that crazy game they lost to Arizona State. I still don't know how they lost that game. It's still probably the most mind-blowing loss all year. Like the one that makes makes the least amount of sense all year. Um but uh they get the win, and that actually prevented um, – I think it prevented – I think it prevented someone from getting in. I think it actually set the set the 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 stage for Utah to get into the Pac-12 championship game. So great year for them. Michael Penix Jr., really great season. Um, I don't know if he has eligibility, but uh, – I likely think that he'll get drafted decently high. Um, he's got a really strong arm, um, and I'd like to see where he, what he does in the NFL. But anything from this stands out? Um, just a good tap in for you know Washington winning the Apple Cup. Um, they definitely it was close as expected with these games that usually are, but they just wore the Cougars down and ran away with it uh, late. They had over I think 700 yards of total offense. Um, and Penix Jr., uh, when he's on, he's on, and he's one of the you know best talents in the country when he's clicking. Yeah, and if for, for those of you that don't know, because he has been on the West Coast this year, you really should catch up on Michael Penix Jr., and hopefully he plays in the bowl game and really shows off his skills because he is a really phenomenal talent that I don't think a lot of people realize how good he is. Okay. So that is week 13. That's rivalry week. Now we move on to let's finalize our Heisman and our CFP. First, I'm going to go with my Heisman. There's only one guy on there. Everyone else has had really good years, but there's only one guy that deserves it. And I'm going with Caleb Williams. And I just, he's been phenomenal all year. He only has like four interceptions and he has like, I think over 41 total touchdowns. So I just think he is the best player by far. And I think he deserves it. But Ian, who who are your Heisman candidates? Yeah, right now I have Caleb Williams, obviously. Um, I put Bryce Young in there at quarterback. And my other two, I understand he's Torres ACL, but I'm going to give, I don't think I'll win it, but I've got to give a nod to Hendon Hooker. One of the best seasons in, you know, carrying a team I've seen being, being at Tennessee. And another one would be, again, injured, but Blake Corum, because he was, and when healthy, the best running back in the country. Okay, who are your playoff teams? So my playoff teams, my top four, I have uh, Michigan at one after beating Ohio State, uh, Georgia at two, TCU at three, USC at four, and Ohio State at five, Tennessee at six. Okay, my teams, I've got Georgia 1, Michigan 2, TCU 3, USC 4, and I've got Alabama 5 and Ohio State 6. So that's what I think will end up being the result of uh, the final standing. So let's talk about these conference championships now. So we're going to parlay into that. This is this is the last set of games before we get into bowl week and playoff games. So this is the last little bit of regular season technically first off we got pac 12 championship we've got utah and usc on friday night 
I like USC in this one. I know Utah is very pesky and they've been good all year, but I like USC in this game because um, it's a neutral field. USC um, kind of struggled in Salt Lake City. Um, so I think USC will be able to um, have the advantage here because it's a neutral side game. I think that USC wins probably like 45 to like 34. What do you got, Ian? Yeah, I think I've always, I've always said this. It's when it's a rematch in a regular season, very rarely do things, you know, repeat. It, it never really repeats. And I think that's going to be true for USC. I'm going to take USC winning the Pac-12. I think it's going to be close. Utah, like you said, is very pesky and they're very a very complete team. I think they take advantage of a rather can-be-soft defense of USC, but I think USC's offense wills them to the win. I'm going to go with the Trojans winning 37-33. to Okay, so next game up is... The Big Big Ten Championship, Purdue going up against Michigan. What are your What is your prediction in this game, man? I think um, Michigan, honestly, is going to run away with it. I don't think it'll be particularly, shall we say, high scoring, but I don't see the Purdue offense doing really well against a really solid um, Michigan defense. I one of the, one of the top three defenses in the country. So I'm going to take. Michigan just burying Purdue. I'll go with a 31 to 7 win for the Wolverines and winning the Big Ten. Now, the thing that will probably keep Purdue in this game is the fact that they um they're not like a crazy good offense, but they're definitely an offense that can can move the ball. I know they've had games where they've looked better than others and you know eight and four is not a terrible record but it's also not a good one either um and i'm trying to look up the rankings here i'm not seeing i could have swore their offense was not like garbage because they they okay they're 53rd rank offense which i thought that's about right and it makes sense because they're not they're not a, like a, a a running offense they're more of a um they've They've got more of a passing attack than other offenses in the uh, Big Ten. I think that'll help them in this game because I think that's probably Michigan's weakness. They're not as strong against the pass. They're definitely stronger against the run. Um, but I still think Michigan wins. I'm going to say Michigan wins. Uh, what was your prediction on the Michigan score? Sorry again. What was it? Uh, 31-7 Wolverines. 31-7? to Yeah. Okay, I was going to go around that lines as well. I was going to say like 35 to like, I'm going to say probably 20. Okay, SEC championship game, LSU against Georgia. LSU is limping into this game after a third loss um, against AM. Um, I think Georgia wins this game easily. I think Georgia wins like, I'm going to say 38 to like 17. That's what I got. What do you got, Ian? Um, I think Georgia will win, but I actually think it's going to be a lot closer because I think it's going to be kind of similar how Georgia played the SEC championship last year. 
I don't think they will, but even if they lose, I think they they're guaranteed a spot in the playoff. Um, but I think they will struggle, you know, with, with Daniels as a mobile quarterback. Um, but they have had had success, and they're just going to blitz him all game um, and wake up to that. So I think Georgia wins. Maybe no messy win, but I'm going to go 27 to 17 for the Bulldogs winning the SEC. Okay. Big, big 12 championship, Kansas State TCU. Uh, who you got, Ian? Um, I'm going to go with the theatrics here. And I'm going to go with TCU winning on a last second field goal because, of <laughs> course, they're probably going to do this shit. Um, honestly, I. Both teams have, you know, not the same record, but I think they play similarly. Um, how they even look the same, purple and silver. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think TCU will, you know, find a way to maybe be down but come back. So I'm going to take the Corn Frogs winning on a last second field goal. I'm going to go with a 34 to 31 win for the Horn Frogs. Yeah, I think it's going to be close. Just because Kansas State can move the ball and TCU's defense is not the best. I'm going to say TCU wins. They hold off and they win 42 to 35. Okay, Tulane, UCF in the AAC championship game. Um, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Tulane. I like Tulane um just because I think they uh they came back in the game against UCF earlier this year, and I think they they've, I think they can pull it off here. I don't really like UCF in this game. You know, Plumlee is kind of hurt, so he may not play. Um, and Mikey Keene is whatever. Um, I'm gonna say Tulane wins. Like, I'm gonna say they win 31 to like 24. What do you got, Ian? Um, this one, I'm going to technically my upset pick. I'm going to take UCF. Um, mm. Tulane's offense hasn't been elite. It's been good. Um, but they've definitely, you know, haven't looked the best. Um, and defensively, especially they haven't, you know, shelled out, uh, against a lot of teams and they've been running a lot of games very close, but I think UCF will jump on them. UCF is a very tough and pesky team. And I know they technically already lost to UCF, and I know I said history almost never repeats itself, but I think UCF has a game plan and will find a way to, you know, cheat, you know, on the test. They have the cheat sheet, and they'll beat Tulane. I'm going to go with a 30-24 to 24 win for UCF winning the American. We almost have the exact same score, but two different uh, the teams in the opposite direction there. Okay, last one. ACC championship game, Clemson, UNC. Um, I'm going to go with UNC because I like uh, the May kid. Um, and I think he'll do – I think he'll have a really good game. I'm going to say UNC wins like 34 to 27. What do you got, Ian? Um. I'm going to go with Clemson bouncing back in a close one. Um, I, As good as North Carolina offense is, they don't do too well with adversity. Um, we, we still have with NC State, Tech especially. 
Um, once you shut that offense down, you shut that whole team down. I think Clemson does a good job of maybe throwing a monkey wrench into that. So I'm going to take the Tigers winning. I'm going to go with a 33-20 win. Okay. All right. That is officially the end of the regular season, everyone. Um, once the conference championship games are over, that's it. So we will have very limited shows the rest of the way out. We're just going to do, um, you know, I, I potentially might do something on Sunday um, before the CFP selection. So look out for that. I'll try to tweet out that. Um but uh, potentially there's something there. Um, but the conference championship games are Saturday. Um, so look out for a potential article or two, maybe on USC and maybe on Caleb Williams's uh, Heisman chances. Um, but you can find those on haterradio.com. You can find us at hater underscore radio, both on Insta and Twitter. And Ian, what are your socials again? Yeah, Instagram, G, double underscore Gator, double underscore G, and uh, YouTube, G, Gator, G. And that's the show, everybody. We'll uh, enjoy these games, and uh, we'll see you soon. All right. Take care. Take care.